0: Play it, play it, play it, play it.
1: We are gay like a fruit. We are looking like a snack. You are listening to Fruit Snacks. Wait. Oh. You started? (laughs) Yeah, I did. You're never ready, bitch. Hey, guys. I'm Brian. I'm Shane. And you're listening to Fruit Fruit Snacks. Snacks. Well, first, let's just say thank you guys for listening Um, so far. Um... Because we just, what, posted 10 episodes. Mm-hmm. So this is now Ten our 11. double digits. and double digits. So um, thank you guys for listening. Keep sharing, keep liking, subscribe, rate, whatever. And please write into us so that you can be a part of the conversation. Because it makes our job easier. We don't have to think about new episodes and things to talk about. Because you guys are like, let's talk about this.
2: Yeah, just keep messaging Brian. Because none of you messaged me.
1: <laughs> well, I am the head bitch in charge of this podcast. So <laughs> I wouldn't say head bitch. Um, but like I was, like say I was saying earlier. uh. Like I was saying earlier, um, we need to fact check because yeah. um, Shane brought up Jesse Smollett last episode. Um, we should insert a clip of you saying it from last episode.
2: <laughs> right now, like we just recently had an attack on Jesse Smollett in Chicago. Yes, that was very racially charged. That half of the country wants to believe didn't ever happen. Right, and says, "Well, I don't. I don't think I believe that." Until right. there's proof. <laughs> but go ahead, correct yourself. Okay, well, first of all, I want to say that in correcting myself, I'm not apologizing for being incorrect. <laughs> Do you think that I owe some anybody an apology? No, I never said oh, okay. that, well, so I don't know giggling why you're like so deal. crazy. Um, but just say it. And, and I'm not to going to disclaimer. apologize because I was trying to defend somebody who was claiming to be a victim. And if there's anything that we've learned through this entire Me Too movement and Time's Up and Black Lives Matters, it's that... A crime doesn't come down to being the fault of a victim. It right. shouldn't ever. And you and your
1: defense was just trying to support him. Yeah, from the facts that you knew at the time that you totally. heard the story.
2: And it's crazy because. Um, well,
1: explain what happened first, because I don't know if people know. Okay, but well, like you you been Living synopsis, under a
2: rock. Um, Jesse Smollett is a star of Empire, which is a Fox like drama series, if mm-hmm. you will. Um, and he, uh, basically staged an attack uh, or as of what we know right now, um, Chicago police are claiming that, um, there was a night in which he staged an attack with two extras from empire. I believe where he paid them $3,500. Um, oh, where were they from? I Nigeria, I think. Was it? They, I, th- I think from what I saw, I mean, keep talking. Okay. Hand me, um, that's yeah, so like, fact can check that. I'm going to fact um, check that. But he paid them $3,500 with a promise of $500 more upon their arrival back in the U.S. Because after the attack, they went home. Um, and he claimed that they tied a noose around his neck and poured bleach on him. Um, all on the streets of Chicago. And so a bunch of people immediately came to his defense and were like, oh my God, Black Lives Matters! This is obviously a huge issue. Um, Racial and homophobic hate crime. uh, And yeah, and so, of course, I came to his defense because, again, statistically speaking.
1: That's a thing, you know.
2: Yeah, like, majority of claims from victims are true. I'm actually going to look up that fact while you look up yours. (laughs) These are all your facts, bitch. I don't put out false facts, so. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But, okay, so... Originally, everybody was like, this all happened to Jesse, like, you know, prayers for Jesse because he had physical um, markings on his face and he was interviewing about it, defending himself and and the story that he was perpetuating in the media. Um, And Chicago police have put in so many man hours and so much money into this one case. For some reason, I can't find where these two guys he hired... Are from okay. Um, you need to speak faster, okay? Like, get, we, I'm done. That's it. That's it. Oh, I came out in support of him, and now there's evidence showing that anybody who was supporting him is basically in the wrong.
1: Not, not, not that they're in the wrong, but not in the wrong for supporting essence, him, but yes. that he lied. He and lied. so now there's it's this huge the,
2: debate yeah. about whether or not this is going to put a dent in. The right f- or the the fight for civil rights and, right. and gay rights, right? And, you know.
1: Well, I think th- th- <laughs> there I go again. <laughs> but um, what the problem is is that he staged it in a way to write a narrative, right? Where yep.
2: he made them buy MAGA hats, um, so he claimed it. In, in I did watch his ABC interview with uh-huh. Robin. And he said that he did not ever claim that. He said that that was all perpetuated by the media, like they were just kind of embellishing his story. But at weren't a certain they? Point. Oh, they. So he said he was like, I never came out and said that they were wearing MAGA hats and said this is MAGA country. I see. Um. So they were trying to write that narrative. Yes. Okay. See now I'm playing fake news still, out. But he still he still gave them a foundation of things to run with, right? And, you know. Um. The other thing is like basically his money paid for the noose that they supposedly tied around his neck. And, um, I didn't realize until today. So a lot of this they're saying was, uh, uh, written or his reasoning for doing all of this Mm -hmm. is because he's unhappy with his paycheck at empire.
1: Shut the front door. So apparently from
2: what I hear, he's making around like a hundred grand an episode. Yeah. And I'm assuming that's not what the stars, which is Taraji P. Henson and, uh,
1: uh, but regardless, who in their right mind does that? Like, have that right. discussion. Uh, you know, right. be a so, boss-ass bitch, not like some weird freaking...
2: Right. Well, so it mm. didn't start as I mean, this. I yeah. He... Essentially, there bad. was a, uh, a letter that was sent to the set of Empire. Mm-hmm. And it was... Um, uh, it was like a threatening letter mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um that I believe were, had like cut out letters and like all this stuff. Ew, yep. Like
1: the uh, like a burn book kind yeah, of thing. It was yeah, like yeah, magazine. Yeah. letters. And
2: it was it was aimed at him. And I think that it was supposed to draw attention towards him with I'm assuming in his mind, if all of this is true, right. because again, this is all speculation. But if it were true, would help perpetuate his career because the set of empire would kind of come together as a family and right. want to support him right. and give him more of what he was right. wanting, right. and when it kind of died quickly within the media, this is part it was almost like okay well how do I up it yeah and then cue the right. attack. Yeah. Um,
1: for me from f- this is how I see it. Like it's kind of unfortunate because you as a black or a minority gay person already goes through enough. Yeah. That you don't need to stage these things to, like, prove your point. Yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And so then now that when you stage it, it really does weaken the argument that people are, like, oppressed or whatever. And it's, like, kind of, like, frustrating. I mean, I don't, like, whatever. I don't know
2: where to say, where, you know, what to say about it, but it's just, like, disappointing. Well, it just sucks because it gives people who already doubt victims right more of a reason to be like, look, this famous star who had no mm-hmm. need to do this is doing this yeah so why wouldn't anybody the boy who cried wolf yeah, yeah. like um we can't take anybody
1: serious because they just want attention
2: yeah yeah which is not the case by the way we're not arguing yeah that, but this is like this is giving people that right. ammunition right yeah all
1: right well i mean we covered that sorry that we put that out there but literally as we yeah. recorded the episode a week later well, this came out
2: but what bothers me is Going back to my girls on the View, they were talking about how now a lot of them on that panel um, wait t- at least twenty four hours before responding to any public um, right news or hot gossip yes, or hot topic because of news. this reason sure. because of the um, all the boys that were wearing uh, that were actually wearing the maga hats with the uh, um, native Native people. American yeah so I still don't fully understand that
1: story either um, but the the image looks like. It's a white person disrespecting someone, right. but right. really there was more to the story uh-huh. in essence. Yeah. Right. But I mean, you can say that about
2: a lot of yeah, quick judgment but things. And I'm not saying that, you, that like they're not right about it. I agree. Like right. you shouldn't. But what? Now quick- we can't come out in support of somebody until we like have all these hard facts and evidence. Well, like no, it just I don't makes I think that's harder. what they're saying.
1: I think that is a little overstepping what the message is, but I think when it comes to media – the spinning of it is where you have to kind of, like, be, like, going over with the fine-tooth comb. You know, like, your day-to-day, if you trust your source as a person, like, a friend saying these things or whatever, I think you can kind of go with your gut on that. But, like, when it comes to, like, something like TMZ or whatever, where it's, like, X, Y, and Z is happening, you want to go in kind of with, like, a rhetoric eye being like, okay, let me use my brain before I just, like, Fox News this bitch. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well... There it is. Sorry that we said that, but now it's clear. So we in the we in the good good, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, also he was taken off the rest of season. The Empire off. season. Yeah, because yeah. they haven't finished filming. And now I don't think it's because...
1: Every time they... I'm like, let's be done with this, you bring up Sorry. another thing. Well, because it's like... <laughs> this is like now a 10-minute apology. I'm not apologizing. Not a... Bitch... Clarifying. Cla- okay, fine. Clarification. This is a 10-minute clarification that needed literally two minutes of attention. Well, because it's quite ridiculous. Well...
2: All right, well, I'm done then.
1: Is that it for real? As (laughs) soon as I find where these brothers are from, I'm pissed. I want to know. Well, hurry up and find
2: it. Well, I mean, we can keep on talking about other stuff. That's it.
1: We're, we're gonna move on so great
2: let's do it okay so last week we talked about
1: that kona catastrophe <laughs> um that flight attendant who kind of got a little bit racy she was rough i know it was a really long story i'm not naive to that idea but um now we wanted to open the discussion between the two of us and talk about race um so this episode is just kind of like a continuation from that that inspired this episode and um yeah i'm gonna let Shane lead this episode, not that I ever lead the episodes, but I feel like I talk a lot in last episode I definitely was talking away too much. <laughs> <Great>. so um,
2: <laughs> So <clears throat> with it being Black History Month, I feel like there's been more um uh, initiative from people to spread black history because mm-hmm. I don't think that it's learned in the ways that I learned about white history, okay. Um, so I've seen a lot more, say on like Instagram or Facebook, of people just circulating the 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 stories and the histories themselves. Right. Um and then uh do you know who Danielle Brooks is? I don't think so. You do? She's from um she's tasty and Orange is the new black. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh wait, yes. And t- she just came out with the song, didn't she? Yes, so that's what I posted on my Instagram. Yes, okay. listening to it. Like I didn't listen to the song. I should oh check my God. it out. So it's called Black Woman. Okay. And it is such like a self- righteous like empowering song to listen Uh to as a white gay man sure let alone like if i was a young black girl listening to that song totally totally and it's it basically talks about how um culturally a lot of people want what black people have but they don't want to um they don't want to give black people credit for those things right you know um Actually, I have a good point on that.
1: Um, yeah. Keep speaking. I'm going to try to find this lady's name so that I can credit it to the right place. Okay. But go ahead.
2: Um, no, but I was listening to it and I was like, oh my God, this is so empowering. But it's crazy that we we need songs like that.
1: I agree. Whereas like representation matters in uh-huh. that sense. Um, okay. That's what it is. So Jane Elliott. do you know who that is?
2: Uh, that name sounds familiar.
1: She was the the lady who did that race exercise. She's she's like oh, such a proponent. Yes. Um, just she for was the a listeners, teacher, right? Yes. Yeah. So for the listeners, um, a quick little synopsis about this side story side it was now. So great. Long story short, all <laughs> of the above. Um, she went into a white classroom to talk about race, and for to get the kids to understand it, she said, "Everyone with blue eyes is going to be better than the pre- people with brown eyes." And long story short. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I hate that I say that now.
1: Um, the brown-eyed kids started feeling like they were less than. They were performing worse in school and all that stuff because they, the rhetoric was like, you're stupid if you have brown eyes, blah, 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 blah.
2: Well, and the treatment amongst one another started yes. to change. Yes, Like
1: the blue-eyed kids when would be like. they were all friends before. They were all friends before. Yeah. And now the blue-eyed kids were like, I don't want to hang out with their brown-eyed kids, like uh-huh. blah, blah, So it was like a really good um, social um activity to show that like that's how racism kind of gets bred into culture so she was talking to a group and she was like um how many people in here think that um they're racist and everyone was like no one raised their hand because everyone's like oh i'm not racist like i don't see color that whole rhetoric (laughs) and so then um she was like okay how many people think it's harder to be black in america and like I, I, I This is off the top of my head So I don't know exactly If this is how this went yep. But it goes very much Like what you're saying And no Everyone's like No I, black people It's fine living in America Being black But these are all white people right And she's like Okay raise your hand If you wanted to be black No one raised their hand mm-hmm. And so it's like You can't say that You don't know that you know what i mean like you can't say black people have it easier if you would or the same not even easier the same same. if you're not trying to take their lifestyle or like their baggage with them totally so that's that's what i agree where it's like you want to take I. it reminded me of that when you're like you want to take from black culture but then
2: not be about black culture Mm -hmm. help black culture totally you know well and like what was so interesting to me is i now have this platform to speak Speak out you know and Mm -hmm. Um, there are some things where like uh, I don't know where I would be overstepping my boundaries in posting about or talking about something because I never want to come across like I'm voicing an opinion on behalf of you know and uh, here's the thing with that and um everything is just so touchy that's why I'm hypersensitive to it right right now where like I I just don't want to put myself in a situation like that but at the same time I guess I have to put myself you have to and okay
1: two things with that Shane um race is going to be awkward right like when you you when you don't come from that experience it's gonna be hard to talk about it so you don't want to speak on someone else's experience so I get that so if it's uncomfortable I think the conversation will naturally lead Mm -hmm. that way but I think because you're coming from a place of understanding it is completely appropriate to have this conversation well it's
2: easier with me and you what I'm talking about is in general if I were to like just post something randomly online I see what you're saying I feel like things can be misinterpreted so much in text right you know Um, as to where we have this where we can live literally converse about it you know where I'm coming from and I just feel like we have a better connect that way but even still coming (laughs) from a black asian gay experience but that's what's so important
1: I think for you as a friend of me I've never felt offended that you've ever asked
2: sure but I think like and again
1: just because I'm not offended doesn't mean that's everyone's (laughs) storyline but
2: but I think that that's what was so important to me or that's what I realized is I have this platform where, like, when we talked about religion, I had Mm -hmm. talked about how one of the issues we have is we see eye to eye on so many things. And I think that we agree on a lot in this scenario, but I think that there's a lot I don't understand about this scenario. So it's like, I wanted to use that to my advantage. Yeah. And almost create a space where, like, uh, Chelsea Handler always used to say, like, I don't mind looking dumb for other people to learn. Sure. So, like, I don't mind... Looking like the punching bag. (laughs) Yeah, not even that, but I don't mind feeling uncomfortable and asking questions if it's going to help, you know, other people learn. So, like, one of the things that I've thought about uh, or that I've tried to be a little more conscious of lately is my daily life and how much I take for granted. Yeah. And how different that might be from your day-to-day life. Um like I know we've talked we've r- briefly talked about on this show before but we've had conversations about in in real life together like even when we used to go out to West Hollywood like our two experiences were always fun cuz we were together but they were still so different right because of what we were each seeing through the night right you know and what we were experiencing through the night right um so I guess just to start like what do you think your experience or how do you think your experience differs from mine on a day-to-day basis as a black gay man as opposed to me being a white gay man (sighs) even if it's not every day but some like big differences that you might feel um it obviously
1: depends on where i'm going throughout my day Uh uh-huh but like for me i always notice when i'm the only
2: ethnicity Mm -hmm. which i feel like you don't have to realize Mm -hmm. um i don't think i realize that until which this happens rarely until i'm in a situation where i am the only white person And it's almost from a place of discomfort because I'm not used
1: to that. Right. And I I use this as an example because I was with someone and I was like going somewhere. I don't remember. I think I was in Denver or something. And we were walking around the street and I kept bringing up how I was like the only black person. I was like, oh, my God, everyone here is so white. Mm -hmm. Like I was like, oh, my God, everyone here is so white. And she took offense to that. And she's like, why do you keep saying that? Like, why do you keep saying that everyone's white? Like, no one cares. And I was like, no, I don't even care. Like, I'm not saying I, like, care. But I'm like, I just noticed it. It's something that I realized. And I was like, I was like, like, for you, girl. She was a blonde white girl. I was like, think about going somewhere and you're the only white person on the street and time. everyone yeah. around you was completely black. I was like, you, you would, would realize notice. that you're the yeah. only white person. And I'm like, but you don't have to worry about that because <laughs> most cases you're among the people you come from. Mm-hmm. And so that's a very minute thing that but how I've do you experienced think that, that affects you. Because
2: I almost think I recognize that sometimes like the one place that I see that um, and this is like not to speak down of the place, uh-huh. but Minneapolis Airport, yes, is a sea of white. I agree. It is white on white on white. And no matter what terminal you're in, it's just white, Yeah, (laughs) you know? And the reason that I hate to, to bring that up is because I think that we are starting to associate, um, situations like that with being negative. Uh That's just kind of what it is there. And I've never experienced like someone who I've seen being racist, but I've also not been in a situation where like that could arise. Um, but how do, how do you think it like affects you? Versus just acknowledging it. Uh, can you clarify what you mean by that? Like, use it in a sentence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Spell um, it. Well, I mean, like, what goes through your mind when you're in a, in a, in an environment that is mostly white? Um, I feel like that's kind of my environment throughout my
1: whole life, so mm. it's really hard for me to speak on that. Um, and like, I feel like I'm used to being on the outside because like I'm not black enough, I'm not Korean enough, mm. I'm not gay enough. Yet I'm not white enough or yeah. I'm not white in general Yeah, right. like people would see me as a white person when you hear me speak or like the way I care myself and again these are not characteristics I give myself like I'm not like I'm a white person these are characteristics people have given to me so it's hard for me to speak on that because I feel feel like that feels so normal so it doesn't feel unnormal because i'm not hanging around a sea of diverse mixed black and asians do you know what i mean like yeah. if i was always like if all my friend group was black and asian and all like everyone i hung out with then i could probably speak on being outside of that group But because i'm always on the outside yeah it's like even with my own parents right like i'm not like my dad because he's full black and i'm not like right. my mom because she's like straight up korean with mm-hmm. who speaks korean and everything so
2: within my own family i'm like the odd one out too Mm -hmm. do you know what I'm saying so so let me ask it a different way okay when you hear someone like the flight attendant from Kona Uh uh-huh telling you that you're whitewashed yeah how does that affect you
1: again that's hard to say because it does not affect me like her words but I think I come from a place of like a secure sense of who I am Mm -hmm. so when she says whitewashed it doesn't bother me because I don't see myself that way. But because she says, it, I understand where she's coming from with those characteristics. I just don't like the way she says it in like a derogatory term. Like, well, you're white, mm. you know, it's hard because I don't feel like I, it almost happens in the opposite where, because I am the way I am, I don't fit into the community that I probably should, the black community. Because when, no matter who talks to me, they know I'm not, I'm always the outside. Cause I clearly have darker skin. Um, but because I speak the way I do and stuff like that, I'm almost
2: casted out of the black community like I would be out of a white community being black. Do you get what I'm saying? I do. But I also feel like I've seen you in different situations where you've been able to play more of the culture that you're in. And that's like, very true. Like us talking right now is different than when you're with like our friend Kenosha. Sure. Which is Oh, sure. Than, I get what you're like, saying. You know what I mean? Like
1: if I were to fly with black flight attendants. Yeah. I could like easily s- situate mm-hmm. myself in there. If I were to fly with like Asian Flight Attendants, I could totally. sit myself in there. Yeah. And honestly, even with White Flight Attendants, like mm-hmm. because I come from whatever background they assume, right. oh, they com- he comes from a place that I know and I'm familiar with, so we can get along. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, but that's why it's hard for me to speak on those experiences of like being the outsider cuz I am, but then with that said, I'm a little bit of enough to, like, also fit in, but then I'm still always an outsider. Right.
2: Yeah. But does that ever bother you that you have to play those different roles? Not that you have to, but that that's almost something that you've just become accustomed to is, like, camouflaging into whatever environment you're around. Because I think, like, as a gay man, I grew up learning how just to fit in enough to pass and to survive. It's that survival mode. sure. But now I think I've come to a place where I'm just always gay. Uh-huh. I can downplay it, right. you know, or I can play it up. Right. Um, but uh, that those are only the two things for me. It's either you're gay or you're not. Right. Or you're so less then, gay or more gay. So but then for let you, me
1: flip it for you. Like, how does that make you feel?
2: I guess you're right. I have just become accustomed yeah. to it. But it does suck to be in an... Like, for me, Right. I don't like knowing that I have to downplay where I'm most comfortable you know like when i went to when i travel and i wear say like a summer outfit that would it's just be like little yeah, hoochie like mama little poon shorts <laughs> a little <laughs> poon- a little tank top little shorts. Yeah, a little tank top and a <laughs> little, little string bikini top <laughs> <laughs> and some tennis shoes but and a lollipop if... <laughs> <laughs> like bubble gum <laughs> Pop in it. <laughs> um, versus, like, if I were to wear that a- anywhere else, which I do, right. I'm so much more hyper-aware of the looks that I'm going to get, the reactions right. that I'll get, or anything like that. Right. And that gets me down from time to time, right. because I hate knowing that I'm constantly thinking about that when I'm elsewhere. Sure. So for you, what I think would be more difficult is you have, like, an array of identities versus just, like, gay or not gay. Right. You know? Right. Which I think is exhausting. Right. I
1: come from the camp of if those bitches ain't paying my bills, pay those bitches no mind. (laughs) And I say that jokingly, but like, honestly, I feel like when I came out as a gay person, it was my last ditch effort of being like, I don't give a fuck about any of my identities. I'm going to be me. Mm -hmm. And at that point, was I like, okay, you think about me in what capacity? Great, I don't care. And if you know me, I feel like that's pretty authentically a yeah. good way to summarize how i live but not in like an aggressive way where you're like you better accept me if you don't fuck you it's just like <laughs> okay you might not it's fine yeah. i'm not your cup of tea yeah
2: but um i don't know it's hard it's hard yeah so you grew up with like a lot of different homes uh-huh like literally different aren't we supposed to be talking about cities. you bitch
0: <laughs> Oh okay. <laughs> I'm like this
1: could is... be your podcast. You're gonna be talking now. You're interviewing me.
2: <laughs> yeah, but it's Black History Month. And uh, I this should not be an episode about me. White um, in <laughs> Black, Black History Month. Um, so like with you coming from literally different countries and uh-huh. other other states and cities, yeah. have you noticed a bigger difference in America versus other countries? Okay, th- I'm actually glad you brought that up. Three thousand percent. Okay.
1: Um, and my dad we've had this conversation and he consciously actually made the decision to, cause like when you're in the military, you have somewhat of a selection of where you can go. Mm-hmm. And he made it a point to make us sh- make sure that we get out of America. Mm. And, um, from his viewpoint being a black American, he wanted us to have that free reign of seeing that anything is possible. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I'm about to get emotional. Um, cause he felt like, For him, there was a lot of no's in his life. And um, I don't even know why I'm getting emotional Where's he from? He's from Detroit. Okay. And he wanted his kids to see um, the world in the sense of, like, anything as possible. And so he made sure that when we had the opportunity to leave America, we could. And so when I was in elementary school, we lived in Korea. And then we went to middle school in England. And I graduated high school in Germany. Mm -hmm. And through all those experiences... I didn't know racism really existed until I moved back to America. Mm. Like, I obviously knew it was there. Like we said, we learned it in textbooks and all that stuff. But it it felt like such a far-off land Mm -hmm. until I came back to the U.S. for college. Everyone's friends because you are... The, the the common thread is you're American, right? Mm-hmm. So you assume, sure. like, you you culturally gather together because you understand the same music and where you come from and blah, 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 So that's kind of what brought you together, not necessarily your skin color. And so, and a lot of us, like me, we're, we're mixed. Not the same mix, but because, like, in the military, you're moving around so much, you are open to, like, different kinds of people, and then it just opens your minds to different kinds of love.
2: Sure.
1: Um... But still in a very heterosexual way. Um, I was just gonna, yeah, yeah, in a very heterosexual way. But coming to America and now being here, I'm like, oh, racism really is, really, really is a thing. And I didn't, I didn't have to get up um, fronted with my ethnicity or my identity so hard until I came back to America. But even with that said, I was raised on what I look like doesn't matter so then it's like hard for me to even like really notice when people are saying a certain thing do you get do you get what I'm saying like I I've probably been in situations in America where I didn't even realize it was like a racial situation because i'm Mm -hmm. oblivious to that just because of my upbringing where Mm -hmm. it was like i didn't know that was an undertone of like that but then now going through that and hearing other experiences of people from my community or others i'm like oh shit that really does exist and then i'm starting to experience it because now i'm aware of it Mm -hmm. but not so much so that i feel like i'm living the true black experience or the true asian experience yeah yeah
2: did your parents meet in america
1: nah korea what was that?
2: Do you know anything
1: about that? I don't. I really don't. And I thought about that the other day that I should probably know that story, but I don't.
2: Well, not even the story of how they met, but I wonder if they experienced pushback because your dad was black.
1: Um, On both ends. Oh, yeah. My mom's family, she like left Korea and never returned when mm. she was 23.
2: With your dad? With my dad, yeah. Okay.
1: I don't necessarily think that that was because he was black. But Korea at the time was a war-torn country, so there was no Mm -hmm. opportunity there. And it was, like, my mom's ticket out. Um, I think she loved him, obviously. Sure. But it was like, why not? I'm moving away with someone I love, and um, I am getting out of this Mm -hmm. poverty-stricken place. Because, like, my mom was so poor to the point where, like, they couldn't afford... school supplies so she would enter on field day at the beginning of the year they would have like a field day for the school and she would enter herself in every track event and run as fast as she could just to win school supplies for her two brothers yeah that was the only way they could afford it wow. yeah and uh, my 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 grandma would go to like the markets at the end of the day and pick up the food that fell on the floor that no one would buy and the then that was like yeah. dinner so my mom, I think, was getting out that way. But, like, there's a lot of racial undertones in Korean culture. Mm-hmm. I don't think so much anymore. But for sure before, because when you're in Korea, everyone really is the same. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not like where you're in America where all white people, there's still, like, gingers or uh, blondes or brunettes or whatever. Like, in Korea, everyone <laughs> looks like, not not in a racial sense of, like, yeah. like a racist sense. Like, all oh, Asians look the same. That's not what I'm saying. But, like... When you look at Koreans, everyone's skin tone is the same. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's variants in it, but everyone pretty much is the same. Everyone's hair color is like a dark black or a dark brown, Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think it comes from a different place when it comes when you talk about race for them. And um, then on my dad's side, uh, when my mom came in, my they would always make fun of the way my mom spoke and like how she carried herself. And years later, I would always remember they would say stuff like, like literally we would see them after 20 years and they're like, oh my God, your that's my mom's name is Ahe, Um, your English is getting so good <laughs> when she's like, the fuck? <laughs> you know, like I, I
0: speak English, I don't
1: know what you're saying. But they would like make comments like that, which is fine, yeah. you know, but it was just like always apparent to them that she was, different and Mm. then our family treated us different too because they were like you very much that whitewash rhetoric where it's like you just don't want to be black and my dad would always hear that like you're trying to raise your kids white and blah 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 blah.
2: from your dad's dad's family family.
1: yeah I see yeah so I guess yeah I've heard racial stuff but it never sat with me because I don't think I was old enough to understand it
2: right yeah and then I feel like by the time you were old enough you had a very distant relationship with your parents exactly exactly um, I was just talking to somebody recently about the deeply rooted negativity that um, exists within the Black community or the Latino community, and how they associate with the gay community. And obviously, you've struggled with your parents' acceptance in terms of you being gay. Yeah. Um, but what this person had told me, um, because he does identify as both Black and Latino. Uh huh is at least for the black community where that stems from is, um, back in slavery days Uh when a slave owner would rape and demasculate the male of the house, um, or the, the men, the male slaves, right. Um, in front of their families and in front of the other slaves. Mm -hmm. Um, and he was like, to be honest, I think it can go as far back as that. Um, in terms of the Latino community, I feel like from the experience, because I used when I was first an HIV testing counselor, uh-huh. we held men's um, essentially groups where they could just like come and vent and like talk yeah. about being gay and meeting yeah. other gay men and, and similar experiences. And the one thing that I heard time and time again was the religious background sure. in association with the acceptance of the gay right. community. Do you know anything about Korea's acceptance of... The LGBTQ.
1: Surprisingly, I don't, but I don't, I think it's just like those conservative backgrounds where it doesn't, it's like, no, you don't do that. Mm. Yeah. But I think it goes deeper in a broader sense of like the way you're viewed as a, as a unit, as a family. Mm-hmm. Right. And if you have a gay person in your family, it's almost like a rotten egg and it like ruins the picture. Right. Mm. Where if you see your family in a photo, the gay person is the smudge and you're like, we have to erase that. Right. Right. Yeah. It's hard now because, not hard, I guess it's a blessing now that the world is so interconnected because then people can see that there's different ways of living life that everyone is doing all right, even if it's not one that suits you. Um, So I think Korea is becoming a little more open when it comes to LGBT things. But I think the viewpoint is very much like that same thing where um, whether that's embedded through religion or not, but it's like you're you're not gay, right? Where it's like, We're here to procreate. You need to raise a
2: family in a traditional sense and, like, have kids. Do you think you identify with a specific identity more than the others? Gay. Yeah? Overarchingly gay. Yeah. Why? I think that's the safe place for
1: me. Mm. Um, Because I think as a gay person, um, beyond race, there's still that, like, common thread of, like, we're outsiders, so Mm -hmm. we understand each other. Right. Right. You know, um, whether you were accepted in your family or not or, like, chastised or made fun of, I think we all go through a very similar experience where I find a community in that, right? Because I didn't have a traditional black experience because I didn't grow up black and American as an African-American. I'm, like, a black American who was raised Korean, British, and German. Do you know what I mean? And on the Korean side, I did not live in Korea. I didn't learn Korean. I don't know Korean. So it's, like, I didn't find a, a... foothold there but then as gay we can talk about all these experiences we had as children as we like said in our first gay experience episode Mm -hmm. where we both were like oh my god yes and those moments of like we knew it was right when you know like those pivotal moments and I'm Mm -hmm. like because there's so many common threads within the gay community in my own identity I'm like that's where I belong so I feel like that's the overarching identity for me Um, As far as where I find family and home. Because not only on the opposite end, like, when I think of home, it kind of is, like, an upsetting feeling for me. And my gay friends and the friends who have supported my gayness have always been there as my family. Mm -hmm. So, for me, that's the identity where I'm like, yes, that's my ethnicity.
2: That's my tribe. That's my everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to touch on being more or being ethnic within the gay community. Okay. Okay. What is your experience like as a gay man who is black and Korean?
1: In America. In America. Yeah, because we have to throw that there, too, because I mm-hmm. feel like it's different when I'm not in America. Um, like like we mentioned before, I feel like we're not wanted. Like, it's not desired unless it's fetishized. Mm. Um, where, like, on Grindr, you always see, like, no fats, no femmes, no blacks, no gays, or no Asians. <laughs> <laughs> no gays. <gaze>. No gays. <laughs> yeah. Um, Yeah, and that's where I feel like racism really shows its light for me, Mm -hmm. Um, because I never had that issue before when I was dating girls. (laughs) I dated all kinds of girls. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, I jokingly say that, but, like, it's true, though, and even my brother had that same experience, where, like, growing up in school, like, both of us were, like, pretty liked, well-liked, and popular and like girls for sure would always I mean girls like me too but I want to bring it up for me because it's like such a dark past <laughs> like it's such a facade so I can't really say yeah I dated so many girls but for my brother he dated quite a few plethoras of different races ethnicities and da 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 so like it was never looked down upon for him to be mixed but then like now as a gay man here in America I, I like we said like when we go out in West Hollywood our experiences are completely different where you're like we both had fun but it just, I feel like I don't have the fun that you have or can get. Mm. And that's not like to say a poor me, but it's right. it's just true, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Where I feel like in the gay culture, white is the right thing. Not from my own words, but I feel like that's the, under, the undertone. And so um, it seems like everyone always wants the
2: white mm-hmm. thing. So I'm going to ask a question that can be generalized Um, Or that can be seen as me generalizing. Okay. Um, But I'm just going to ask it. Out of my personal experience, I feel like, especially within, mostly within the gay community is Uh what I'm referencing here. My black friends or my friends of color have typically dated more white men than the white gays that I know in my life. Okay. That's, that's very telling. Do you think that that comes from something internal or just by coincidence? I think two things. Well, I think like in all gay cultural,
1: um, up until recently, where you see a little more diversity, mm-hmm. it was always like a white gay man, you know, as like the the gay person in the storyline, right? And you never see like if it was any other ethnicity, it would never be like a masculine, right. black gay man. It's always like a feminine, super uber gay, like mm-hmm. um, in unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, like that uh, Titus. Titus, you yeah. know, it's like that character, yeah. So I think when you're force-fed all of that, you assume, like, white is the thing. And I feel like every time I looked at anything, like, Queer as Folk or anything, yeah. you know, Will and Grace, it was always, like, a white person mm-hmm. um, until I saw, like, Noah's Ark. That's when I was, like, seeing, like, black gays, but I don't feel like it was prominent enough in my life mm-hmm. to be like, oh, okay, that's there, too. Yeah, that was
2: never very mainstream. No, it, it wasn't. Yeah. yeah. Do you think that there's always... Um an issue with stereotypes? Do you Uh, think stereotypes are always a bad thing? I do. Yeah?
1: I do. Um, And that's a very blanket statement because I feel like stereotypes are hardly ever brought up as, like, a positive. I feel like each story deserves its own spotlight. And I think it's easy for our brains to generalize things, to think quicker. So I'm not saying that in that realm it's bad. But I don't think that you should always... Blanket statement, one situation, or a recurrence of a situation as always will be and forever. Alyssa Edwards. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. But do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Can I ask you some questions? Yeah. Do you have one more? Because you're
2: about to take a breath. Um, well, I was going to make a comment and then I was going to ask a question. Okay, go ahead. My comment was, you seem very detached from a lot of this. What do you mean? I feel like... <clears throat> I I don't know. Maybe I was expecting deeper answers from you all. So here's the thing. I am kind of detached from
1: it because I feel like it's hard for me to talk about it, not in, like, a, I struggle with it, but it's hard for me to bring up situations because, like I said, I was kind of blind to it. I feel like this is a better conversation to have with someone like Bernard, who, mm. where did he grow up in the South, right? No.
2: No, <laughs> no. He grew up in L.A., but he grew up in, uh, why did I think he was from Compton? the South, not Compton? Inglewood. 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 Okay. Yeah. Um
1: because I feel like he would have the traditional black experience that you seem to be asking about. When I I I am black, but my black experience comes from a British, German, right. Korean uh, blended yeah, storyline. So it's hard but for me. But that's also to...
2: I think it's also important to recognize other perspectives. Totally. Of...
1: Yeah. Yeah, but but I get what you're saying when you say I'm detached. It's not detached. Like I don't get. I like I I do have privilege in that sense where I don't see it. Yeah, I don't see color. <laughs> Just kidding. Okay, we right. not that I don't see it, but I'm like blind to the idea of it. Um, but I still recognize it because it I come from that c- cut of cloth, right? But um, I think I I choose to uh live my life of like, fuck you. Mm. I'm I am who I am. Um, but that obviously comes from a place of privilege where I'm allowed to do that. Right. Even though in some moments it doesn't create opportunities for me, but then I make those opportunities. And just because I do doesn't mean that's everyone's storyline. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Can I ask you some questions then? Mm-hmm. Um, how How do you feel when... How do you feel being white in a, today's America? And I ask this, let me just preface with this because this is where I kind of want you to answer. Is like I feel like white
2: people tend to feel, like, attacked? A little. Okay. Um, But I don't ever take that on as a way to rebuttal the conversation. Mm -hmm. So I'm never like, oh, well, it's unfair that you're, like, just attacking white people. sure, Because it's such a temporary feeling for me. Where I think, in the black experience or in any other minority's experience, it's a constant reminder that they are fighting this non-materialistic battle, right? For me, there might be a situation or a conversation where things get heated. And in that moment, I may feel attacked, if you will, as a white man, Uh but at the end of the day, I'm a white man in a white man's world. It still is a white man's world. At the end of the day, I think that there's a lot being called out about it. And I think that we're just now starting to hear other people's opinions and voices try to... Um, trying to, like, represent themselves more Uh on a day-to-day basis. But at the end of the day, it is still very a white man's world. Um, So I try to remind myself of that. But I understand why it does feel that way. Because I almost, it almost feels like we can't not attack somebody. It's almost like we come from a place where like people just can't be equal across the board. It's like all of us can be equal, but because you put us down for so many years, now you're going to now we're going to let you know what it felt like. Sure, you know, and I think that it's important to understand where those people are coming from, but with that said, I also don't think that it's right to have to put somebody down to make your point. Right. The way that you had that conversation with the flight attendant in Kona. Mm-hmm. You you were never berating her or belittling her right because of where she was coming from you were just kind of bringing up those points to try and connect the dots or help her connect the dots for herself and of course there are moments where things are going to get more heated and, and debated in a in a much more argumentative way but i definitely understand the idea of like people being attacked more now whether they're white or
1: whatever right yeah Coming from where your viewpoint is, what in your life made you feel like you needed to understand a different viewpoint? Because I feel like um, it's easy for people to not question things when they don't know what to question. Mm-hmm. So what in your life has driven you to be like, wow, I need
2: to do something about this? Um, the simplest answer, being gay. Okay. Um, I never felt like I was ostracized because I was gay at least not from the places that it mattered I definitely had experiences like in high school and even grade school where kids let me know that I was different than them yeah Um, but I it wasn't until I had moved to Southern California when I was 18 Uh and I started school at Long Beach State where I was able to finally experience life in my own point of view from my own point of view and not other people's like when I grew up in Chicago everything I did was under the guidance of my parents and so everything came from their perspective and their understanding of the world. And it was when I was on my own day in and day out in a place like Southern California or Long Beach, which is like such a collective collective melting pot, you know, um, and finding myself as a gay man, which nobody back at home could help me through. That was something I had to do on my own. And I started realizing um, more and more that a lot of what I was attracted to or interested in or intrigued by was sort of a fuck you to the heteronormal hetero, heteronormative um, standpoint. standpoint. And I started realizing there's nothing wrong with that, but people do make it a situation that's in the wrong for some reason. Sure. Um, because it might make them uncomfortable at first. Like I remember when friends first started watching Drag Race, and I was like, that's... Like, I remember actively being like, I don't want to watch that. That's stupid. And now it's something I watch every right. week. And I'm, like, super involved in. But what I love about it is that RuPaul talks about time and time again how much drag is just a fuck you to society. Right. To be like, this is not <laughs> that important. This is not, like... You looking one way or another is not what's going to dictate the end of the world. Or, like, like
1: who you are as a person, yeah, ultimately.
2: Yeah. Um. And I started realizing that if, if I'm experiencing this much of a Internal, cultural awakening, yeah, like there has to be so much more from other people's perspectives who grew up in completely different situations and scenarios um, and backgrounds right. than me. Right. Yeah. How do you view race in the gay community from your viewpoint? I think racism is like so alive. Okay. in the gay community. But I don't see it as often as sure. the people who experience it. Okay. So when we go out to West Hollywood, I don't see it because I'm just sort of acclimated to what West Hollywood is. Sure. And I, I fit in more than people that I go to West Hollywood with do. Sure. But like we said last in like last week's episode, where I said we like to diminish um, a reaction to different minorities' experiences. You know, so like when there was a gay stereotype on television, it was made to be comical because people can still laugh at that. Right, like it's digestible. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I think that that's kind of what we do within the gay community is we take a place like Grindr where people have been called out for it, but nothing has really ever changed. But people do put in their profiles, no fats, no femmes, no Asians, no this, no that. If that were in the real, if if there was a job application... And it said, no one overweight, (laughs) no one of a certain color, no one of a certain sexual orientation. If that was on the application and somebody had to apply for that job, that would be taken to the media, to the courts. I mean, that would blow up. And so there's very much something happening within our community where it's like for some reason that's still accepted. And I think it comes from a place of like, those people who are posting those things can still say, but I'm gay too, so I know what it's like to be ostracized. Right. But that, I'm not saying that that okays that that sort of um, behavior. Right. I just, I, I'm very aware that that's an issue. Right. But again, like in my life, I do believe that I, I mean, I hate when people say like, but I have a best friend who's black or whatever. Right. I do have a very wide array of friends from different backgrounds and right. different whatevers. Um, I've dated guys of most colors yeah you know um
1: you definitely had a very 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 diverse dating pool for sure probably one of the most i've had in my friend group for sure
2: yeah and that doesn't and i don't like you were talking about jorgen i don't actively go out and like seek those differences she doesn't either yeah yeah but i'm very much intrigued like i'm intrigued by something that's different than me sure like i i don't um i don't find as much attraction to something that i know to feel safe or close to what you've
1: already experienced mm -hmm. yeah um maybe that's because we both buy into the idea that we're leaving something we didn't like behind And that like i think what you said is like you don't like something that is so similar close to what you are because i feel like part of it is that you like the idea of moving away from what was before Mm. like continually that growth and i feel like right uh, when you, and I, I feel like this with my dating pool too is like when we have an experience an experience we want to dive into that experience mm. rather than be like that feels unfamiliar I don't like it let me right. go back to what's safer like ooh tell me more I want to be more open and well rounded and I think that's why we date without outside of that like what you asked earlier um, like why people are with the people they are mm-hmm. um, and yeah I feel like that's that's a big testament of like your moral code Mm. Of, like, trying to understand someone else's story and to the point where, like, you fall in love with it and you want to choose it, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that's that's huge,
2: yeah, yeah.
1: I don't know, I feel like there's so many questions, um, but I know the answers,
2: <laughs> 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 and I
1: didn't know that this episode was going to be an interview session, so I didn't, I didn't, either, I didn't but come it... with prepared. I thought honestly it was going to be a completely different, I love this, but I thought it was going to be a completely different conversation.
2: Well, the thing is, like again i i try to be hyper aware to the fact that i don't want to i think what you're trying to guide a conversation on black history because that's not my place to do that so like
1: but i don't okay i get what you're saying because i feel like what you're trying to say is like oh here's a white guy talking about his uh, black history when it should be about black history from a black perspective um and i feel like as much as you don't feel like you should guide that i i don't really feel like i guide it either because i don't come from that traditional sense of what this conversation should be yeah um but i see that you're getting emotional right now and why is that
2: i think um i just want more people to come from a place of like genuinely wanting to understand like the people who have shaped me you know because i think that i'm a pretty good fucking person And I think that that's more of a testament to that array of friends who I've surrounded myself with. And so it hurts to know that like those people who I really do love unconditionally are experiencing life from a completely different standpoint than me and I can't fix it for them because they have fixed so much for me in my life and there's a part of me that that just wants to if nothing else like give them a voice and there is still a lot that I have to learn and so the best I can do is like ask a question you know um and I've really tried to be more in touch with like feeling things lately instead of just letting it be a passing moment um and I think that's what's getting me so emotional right now is like I can feel how undetached you are from a lot of the identity within your life. And at the same time, I think that the way that you live your day-to-day life is dictated by those identities or by the recognition of those identities by others. Right. And so it's this weird disconnect of you are definitely a genuine person, but I don't think... I don't think that everybody gets to see um, the depth of you sure. because you have to shut that off in certain situations. And in one, in in like a selfish manner, I feel really grateful to be somebody in your life who like gets to see that part of you. Sure. But I know that so many people aren't willing to put in the work to see that side of you. And when I say you, I, I definitely mean... You in this scenario, but I mean also in general, like the collection of people in my life who the world doesn't get to experience because they they close their minds to that. Sure. And. Yeah, that's why I get emotional.
1: Um, Well, I appreciate you so much, Shane. I really do, because like I feel like.
0: See, now I'm getting emotional, like I feel like like we need more people like you who understand that so that it does make it easier for people like us you know and when i say this it's not like i'm like suffering but you're right it's not always easy and um i think that's a great start you know where like you understand that and because you're coming from a place of love you're like Like, I care so much about you that I want you to experience what I know I've experienced in my own life, you know? And, like, I appreciate it, so thank you. I don't know where I was going with that. (laughs) But it's just hard because, like, that's what's so, like... That's what's, like, so frustrating, being, like, either gay or black or, like, Asian or whatever. And I'm not speaking from my own life, but I am as well, where it's like, when you think about any of that, it really doesn't matter at all, you know, and this goes deeper for me because like my own family, you know, like they don't get to experience me either because you know, they have their own journey that they're going on. Like, I wish that we could have a relationship or whatever, but like they're choosing that we can't. Mm -hmm. And so it, it like it does suck sometimes, but like you just really gotta make best for what you have and Yeah, sometimes
2: that just gets really exhausting, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's why when you ask me the question, like, do I feel now like white people are being attacked? Sure. Yeah, sure. Maybe in a moment. Right. Maybe in a stand up comedy on a late night show just for a segment. But at the end of the day, that that ends when we all go to sleep. Right. And the following day, like, I walk into a store and I go shopping like normal. Right. Or I hop on the subway or I go to use a public restroom in New York and I know that 95% of places will let me do it. Sure. And I use that to my advantage at times, but I also like to take those situations and bring them to light in a place like this where... Like, it, it kind of made me emotional today. You had me listen to one of our episodes that's about to air um, next week, just for, like, sound quality. Yeah. And I remember I haven't checked the the the, stat, the status, oh, my God, the stats in a while yeah. on that website. And I saw that we have, like, almost 7,000 downloads between our episodes. Yeah. And this sounds like me bragging, but my point in bringing this up is we have a lot of friends. Yeah. We don't have 7,000 friends. So that means that somewhere somebody of potentially a completely different background from me is, or of the same background as me, is listening to this. And that makes me emotional because they're experiencing this conversation with us. Right. You know, and even if they don't relate to your side. Or if they don't relate to my side, they're hopefully relating to some side within this conversation. Sure. And if I can use that platform as a white man, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter if I'm attacked in a moment. Because it is just a passing moment, you know? Right. Um,
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's it's just like... I don't even know where to go
1: from there. (laughs) I agree. I think that's why this was so important for the both of us to start this because I feel like we had so much to say. We still have so much to say, obviously, with long mm-hmm. story shorts. But, <laughs> um, you know, after you have these conversations, people are like, well, okay, well, then what? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, what now? Nothing's going to change. Nothing's going to happen. Everything's going to be the same. There's still all those people out there, but at least it's a start, you mm-hmm. know? Like, what else is there to do other than, like, sit where you're sitting? Like, mm-hmm. s- not do anything? right. So, like, I guess my question to you is, like, what do you think the right steps are?
2: I'm going to turn that on you and say, <laughs> what do you think that I, a white person with any sort of privilege can do? Especially now in, like, a, a Black History Month. Do they do they try to help move the conversation or do they just allow the conversation to move on its own amongst the black people who want to voice yeah. Those sides.
1: I as you know as a friend, when something like really irritates me or whatever, I always hesitate to bring it up because I want someone to do the change because they want to change, you know. Like I don't I don't think I need to tell you like I'll mention if I'm like upset or whatever, but if you don't hear me, I'm not gonna force feed it to you. Yeah. Um and I want you to be so aware of what's going on around you that you understand where someone's, fall, like, mm-hmm. slipping, you know. And I, I try to be that person where I I feel like I'm aware enough to know that if someone says something, they don't have to keep telling me. Like, if they're like, I'm not okay, I hear that in whatever way, whether it's explicit or something they've said. I'm like, I need to be there in that moment. And I try to be that person. and Because I think that if you go on a journey where you're choosing to be there for someone and they're not asking – Your lesson is so much stronger. You know, that message is received so much harder. So I, I feel like from my standpoint, I don't think that anybody should ask you to be a better person. You have to want to be a better person because that is your journey, right? Like you internally are like, I want to do that because that is where I see myself in my mind's eye of who I am as a person. It's so hard to be a good person in today's society. Mm-hmm. Like when people like are like, why is everyone so shitty? It's so easy to be shitty. It's yeah. so easy to like be a fucked up person, especially flying, like I see it all the time. Where it's so easy to fall into those traps of like being frustrated or hungry or tired and being a dick or like angry or pissed off. And I'm like, you have to actively choose to be a good person. I don't think being good or friendly or nice comes easy. Mm-hmm. And so I think that, like, when you go forward wanting to, like, make change, it's not just going to happen just by, like, sitting there, you know? You have to, like, choose to want to, like, act in love, whatever that is. And I think it starts with, like, wanting to know more about someone else or, like, caring about something outside of your own realm or your own personal experience. But I don't know if everyone would want that same uh, motivation because I feel like we come from a place of, like, similarity and Mm -hmm. why we're friends is because we want to grow. But I don't know if that's everyone's journey, and I wish it was. Mm -hmm. And that's why I feel like I don't have the answers because as much as I think that what I'm doing is the right path, that's not to say that it's everyone's path. Right. But I also think that if you, like, that, that, that girl that I had that conversation with in Kona, like if you're realizing that it's like you're not sounding good or sounding good, if you're if you if you're not in a good light, mm-hmm. reflect on that. Don't try to convince me that it's right. one way or another. Right, And that's where I think the growth can happen. It's like, okay, maybe I am wrong, you know? Like when someone gave me – like someone gave me feedback about this podcast, you know, and I brought it up to you about it because I wanted to have that discussion. And it, even though I didn't think that what they said was – what I needed to hear. Not in the sense of like, I don't need to hear that. This podcast is great. But I was like, I don't think it applies to us. And I hear the feedback. At least I take that time to like,
2: mm-hmm.
1: sit there, open that conversation, have that conversation with you, have that conversation with him. Right. See where that goes. And be like, you know what? It, it doesn't fit in my life. Maybe in the future, I will consider that. But as of right now, I don't feel like that's right. Right. I feel like that internal dialogue or that, that actual verbal dialogue needs to happen more often. Mm-hmm. And it
2: doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. So... I'll answer your question now. Um, I think that one thing that people, especially white people right now, need to do is, like you said, genuinely want there to be a difference. If not even within their own lives, in society in general, because I don't think that the shift, at least within our own country, has been positively impacting anybody. Sure. I don't think that anybody wakes up and is like, this is a great time to be alive. Right. <laughs> like, it's really fucking hard yeah, right now. Yeah, the one thing that I've learned through wanting to explore other cultures and lifestyles and backgrounds and histories is how much more exciting life can be when you take yourself out of your comfort zone. Right. Um but that drive to want to take yourself out of that comfort zone has to be major. Yeah.
1: You know, because I feel like people don't realize they need it until after the fact. Totally. And I think the the biggest growth in your life was the hardest journey. Mm-hmm.
2: Like the one thing that I can say from personal experience is you miss out in so, on so much in life when you shut off the opportunity to explore. Right. And even if you're not traveling, I get it. Not everybody can just travel all the time. But right. like I remember when when you first tried introducing me to like sushi and I was like, uh, I uh-huh. don't like it. Uh-huh. And you're like, oh, "Have you ever had it?" And I was like, "No, I don't like it though. it's fish. Yeah. I love sushi. Exactly. And, like I didn't need to venture anywhere. I mean I yes, I moved to California, but like I could have eaten sushi in Chicago. Right. I just heard that my mom didn't like it, which I later found out meant that she also had never had it. Now she likes it, right. you know, but I was living through that mindset of like, I don't like it but not because I knew that for sure. right?
1: And I think that goes in a broader sense. You mm-hmm. can apply that to anything. That's what I mean. It's like, it's
2: like it can be something minimal, yes. but that's where that change One situation
1: starts. where it wasn't pleasant in whatever capacity now turns into a whole stereotypical, mm-hmm. I don't like this blanket statement. Yes. And that's where
2: it's troubling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's where like that flight attendant from Kona's perception of um, Cal- Chaldeans oh exactly came from exactly. is like maybe she had a one couple bad, bad fish, experiences. one bad fish now she hates fish
1: uh-huh when it's like yes that could have been your experience once but that's not every experience you're right gonna have. yeah
2: um and i think that that's where i think people can learn, can uh, go from here or learn from here is just even if it's not something that you do all the time because I think a lot of things come in ebbs and flows until right. you make it a habit. So I understand, like it's like going to the gym. You may start going to the gym and you could go, you know, say four times a week, and one week you only go twice. That yeah. doesn't mean that all the things that you've done up until that point haven't worked. It just means you had an off week. Right. Like pick up again and try again. Yeah, you know. Um, and I think again you can apply that to any situation. Yeah. Like if you're in a situation and and you make the decision to not put yourself outside your comfort zone recognize that yeah. and next time just do better. Yeah. Like just do better. Just do better. Um, But but do better authentically. Uh, yes. Not just, to like be like, look at me. I'm mm-hmm. the person to do better. It can't come from validation. Yeah. And there's, I'm a good person. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a good person. Okay. And that's really hard to not be validated for the things that you're doing that you All feel right. like are positive. And it's okay to share experiences, but it, it can't be like – you can't be sharing it with the intent of people Praise. validating yeah. you for it. Yeah. It just has to come from you wanting it like this. I'm not getting emotional so people are like, "Oh, look at how much he cares about the blacks sure. or the gays or the." <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not coming from that. It's yeah. I'm genuinely um, emotional about this topic because it is invested in every part of my life, sure. and I'm sharing it now with the hopes that other people will somehow be moved enough to want to put themselves outside their comfort zone at least once right um and i think that's where that has to start is in the small things for sure um for sure yeah well that now puts us at over an hour oh
1: perfect yeah (laughs) so i think we should end here because i'm now getting hungry (laughs) and i need to blow my nose Mm. we're gonna go get some empanadas at bolivian llama party in new york
2: fun
1: Um, but let's just end with the quick in season. It doesn't, I'm literally gonna say, I I think you probably can agree to this, but in season this week is compassion, understanding, Mm. and growth. Yeah, I think that sums up everything that we talk about Mm -hmm. compassion for your neighbor, understanding, reaching a common ground, and growth because you want to be a bigger and better person because we are
2: better than this. Yeah. Also, I remembered after last in-season that I didn't tell you. I've started wearing underwear again, and I'm really into it.
1: Well, I hope so, because it's pretty cold outside. <laughs> I know. I'm tired but of your just... balls being inside your body. <laughs> <laughs> the second belly button. No, girl, vagina. No.
2: Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Some beef Bussy? Yeah, pussy girl. All right. Well, I think that ends it here. Great. Um, hopefully, um, this episode was great. As always, please write in to us. Um, follow us on Instagram at fruit snacks Pod. You can write us there or email us at... Fruitsnextpod at gmail.com. As always. You can always, find us
2: on Instagram on our personal accounts. Oh, right. Weaver Brian, Brian Spell with a Y. And Nair Shane, N A Y R. It's Ryan Backwards, Shane, S H A N E.
1: But as always, thank you guys for listening and we will catch you next week.
2: Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye bye. <laughs> bye.